This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, November 2nd. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Telluride increases business license fees, Mountain Village to raise water and sewer rates, HH proposes complex tax relief model, and a mountain weather forecast. But first, Jay Hewitt of Pennsylvania died at a hunting lodge near Miramonte Reservoir early Wednesday morning. According to the San Miguel County Coroner's Office, Hewitt had been feeling unwell for several days when he collapsed in his travel trailer. Norwood EMS made attempts to revive him for over 20 minutes before efforts were stopped. He was 69 years old. The cause and manner of death are under investigation. Hewitt is survived by his siblings, James, Rick, Randy, Jackie, and Karen, and his wife, Renee. Telluride is raising its rates on business license fees. Council agreed to increase business license fees by between 50% and up to 210%. That's Telluride Town Clerk Tiffany Kavanaugh presenting before Town Council last week. The increase in fees is for business licenses separate from short-term rental business licenses, which Town Council raised last month. Telluride requires business licenses for any business within Telluride Town Limits and Lawson Hill. Business license fees are based on an employee count, with different rates for businesses with 0 to 1.5 employees, 2 to 4, 4.5 to 6, 6.5 to 9, and so on, up to 60.5 to 100 and over 100 employees. Based on the tiered categories... And in looking at this, I did want to just look at those businesses that would be impacted the most. That would be in that 25 and a half employee group up to and over the 100 employee. And it would really impact 18 businesses in town um, greater than the 50% fee increase. So that includes eight restaurants in town and three property management companies. Telluride has not updated its business license fees since 1996. The increase will raise fees by 50% for businesses with one employee up to 25 employees. Businesses with 60.5 to 100 employees will see the biggest increase of 210%. A license for like the 25 and a half to 40 employee account category would go from the existing fee of $1,733 to $3,241. And then if you look at the category over 100, there was only one festival that fit into that category. And that would basically go from $2,875 up to $8,194. The new rates will mean businesses in Telluride will pay anywhere from $166 per year to $8,194 per year. The fees don't apply to nonprofits, who may have a business license for the purpose of running events, but don't pay the fee itself. While businesses with more employees are seeing a bigger percentage increase in their fees, they're actually paying less per employee than smaller businesses, a fact noted by Dylan Brooks during public comment. It is uh, somewhere between a 50 and 150% higher per employee rate. And working with a lot of small to medium-sized businesses, those are the ones who struggle the most, who uh, notice that the most. 
And I haven't really heard a rationale for why larger businesses might be charged uh, $90 or uh, $80 per employee and uh, those with two employees, uh, almost 200 Councilmember Adrian Christie sees that point. I know that we're just sort of like using the system that someone decided a long time ago and carrying that forward. But I do see the benefit or the logic in just having a set amount per employee. I guess I'd just be curious to hear staff's perspective from on why we would carry forward the system that they just decided on. To that, Kavanaugh doesn't have a full answer. I tried researching that prior to the last meeting, and there is no background information in the pack materials that I could find. So I don't know where that tiered system came from. But I will say that the numbers that are included in the packet averages about $90 per employee. It ranges from $110 for one to one and a half employees. And then the lowest per employee would be 81 per employee. And that would be in the 25 and a half to 40 employee category. Mayo Pro Tem Mianfi acknowledges she doesn't have a definite answer, but hypothesizes it could be an incentive for businesses to hire more employees. In the past, there have been a number of incentive programs to get businesses to hire more people when we had less jobs and more people here when the economy was not as strong as it has been. And I think that 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 is what this is read to me as, was that this was sort of an incentive to like hire extra employees, you know, and not have it be a penalty to the business. Um, There are a lot of additional costs that go in to owning a business when you start to increase the number of employees that you have, you know, you hit a threshold and you have to provide health insurance, you hit a threshold and your insurance goes up. Like, I think that there's, there are other costs that businesses bear as they get larger and, and to see the business licenses come down for those businesses, I think to me makes sense. Telluride Town Council unanimously approved the increase for business license fees in Telluride and Lawson Hill. The increase will go into effect when a business renews its license for 2024. Mountain Village is raising its rates for water and sewer. We are legally required to have a study that supports uh, the rate increases that we may undertake with respect to water and wastewater. Uh, So we've engaged SGM to help us out to figure out what increases we need to make uh, in order to support our various systems, uh, both now and over time. That's Mountain Village Town Manager Paul Weiser speaking at a town council meeting last month. Currently, Mountain Village charges a flat monthly base fee plus a usage fee for its water. Here's Kimberly Riddle with SGM, the consultants behind the study. The base fee includes a different amount of usage and varies by our customer type, location, and season. The water usage charges increase in a block rate structure with six tiers, which also varies by customer location, type, and season. According to Riddle, Mountain Village water and sewer rates are similar to those in other ski towns across Colorado. However, Town Mountain Village's tap fees are pretty much a lot lower than a lot of the other ski towns in Colorado. And so the average tap fee, combined tap fee for water and sewer for other ski towns is around 29000 for Colorado versus Town Mountain Village is around 10000 Riddle notes the goal of the TAP fee is to have developers buy into the existing infrastructure, such as water tanks, water and sewer mains, and hydrants. 
SGM recommends Mountain Village increases its TAP fee to $43,300 per TAP, up to 3,000 square feet. That's up from $10,000 now. It puts Town of Mountain Village at about a pretty similar TAP fee to Telluride, Crested Butte, and Steamboat. When it comes to water and sewer fees, SGM recommends an inflation-based increase of nearly 5% in the short term from 2024 to 2027, with a 3% increase in the long term. But Mountain Village's fees on water and sewer aren't only about supporting and maintaining current infrastructure. The region's wastewater treatment plant also needs to be replaced, and Mountain Village, along with the town of Telluride, need to pay for that upgrade. So SGM also recommends adding a $10 per month surcharge. When it comes to the wastewater treatment plant, we know that the cost is still largely unknown. The, we know that the cost for the plant will be in the ballpark of around $90 million, um, and that the town would be responsible for about 35% of that. The benefit is that this surcharge is separate from the rates. It can be easily adjusted to cover any unknowns or changes to this wastewater treatment plant. And as soon as the wastewater treatment plant is done being paid for, the surcharge can be sunset as it's not connected to the rates. When it comes to both the taffy and the surcharge, deed-restricted units in Mountain Village will be charged half price. Mountain Village Town Council unanimously showed support for the increase in water and sewer rates, The new rates will go into effect in 2024. Election season is approaching its grand finale next week on Election Day, November 7th. While Koto News has covered a plethora of local issues up for consideration, there are two ballot measures appearing statewide. KOTO's Gavin McGough has this report on one of those questions. Proposition HH. Opening their latest property value assessments this spring, many Colorado homeowners were startled to find their home values had ballooned. Across the state, the average property value increased by 40 percent. Here in San Miguel County, that number was closer to 50, fueled by the pandemic-era real estate boom. If homeowners were caught off guard, State Senate President Steve Fenberg was not. Over the last few years, he says, Colorado lawmakers watched the state's real estate market. And he says, We had this perfect storm of pandemic prices and people moving to Colorado and all of those things, a housing shortage that resulted in property values skyrocketing suddenly, which then, of course, means property taxes skyrocketing. So we saw this coming. For Fenberg, a Democrat representing Boulder, that spike in property taxes would create a crisis for Colorado residents. In 2024, he says, The average homeowner is going to see a 40% property tax increase and rents are going to go up because property tax increases are generally passed on to a renter in the form of increased rent. And Unfortunately, I think what it means is people being forced out of their homes, seniors on fixed incomes not being able to afford the payments, and it will uh, have drastic impacts on individuals, our, our small businesses, as well as our state's economy. To limit the effects of that spike, Fenberg and a coalition of other lawmakers put together a tax relief plan, which is being presented to voters on this year's ballot as Proposition HH. And this is an issue that I've been working on over the last year or so, um, which is to Uh, do property tax relief, um, but do it in a way that is not harming the recipients of property tax revenue, which generally includes schools and fire districts and, and water districts. 
And that's what Proposition HH is. The goal is to provide meaningful property tax relief, but do it in a way that's responsible. The proposition works like this. It would limit property tax increases to 20%, roughly half of what the average homeowner will face without HH. Local governments, schools, fire districts, hospital districts, and so on, who depend on that funding will be provided with an additional revenue stream. Where does this money for schools and fire departments come from? It's taken from a small portion of every Coloradan's Tabor refund. Colorado's Taxpayer Bill of Rights limits the amount of revenue the state can collect and ties it to population growth and the rate of inflation. Fenberg continues. If HH passes, that formula changes to be inflation plus population growth plus 1%. That's all it does. It adds 1% to the formula that allows the state uh, revenues to grow by. So while property tax increases would be capped and kept under control, Coloradans would also lose out on a small portion of their Tabor refund. In 2024, the average person will have a reduced Tabor refund of $46. HH has a 10-year lifetime. And over that decade, the state could forfeit some billions of dollars of potential property tax collections, while also skimming billions off the top of Coloradans' Tabor refunds. The exact numbers are unpredictable, as Tabor payouts rely on the state's economic growth. Regardless, all those Tabor funds would be redirected first and foremost to school districts in Colorado. Schools will be a big winner if HH passes. After that, Tabor funds would trickle on to fire districts, and further funds could go on to county governments, hospitals, and so on. Fenberg recognizes this is a lot to take in. If you were just to print off a bill about about tax policy, the average person would be like, what is this gobbledygook? It, it, it's just a bunch of technical stuff. When you do that and make it a ballot measure, it makes it even more confusing for people because they're being asked to vote yes or no. Meanwhile, Coloradans making that decision have been battered by mailers, TV ads, radio spots, canvassing, and so forth. According to the Colorado Sun, a group called No on HH has spent $1.8 million, sourced largely from conservative political nonprofits, on messaging which resists its passage. Meanwhile, the political group Yes on HH has spent $1.7 million, and it's got another $700,000 in its coffers. Those funds are largely from liberal political groups. Soon enough, all those ads will end. Coloradans have just a few days left to vote. Ballots are due in drop boxes by 7 p.m. on November 7th. As we move into winter, San Miguel County Public Health is urging residents to stay up to date on vaccines. Public Health is currently providing COVID and flu vaccine clinics, and this week the department announced it also has vaccines for RSV, or respiratory syncytial virus. RSV vaccines are available for anyone 60 years and older or individuals who are 32 to 36 weeks pregnant. RSV is a common respiratory virus that usually causes mild cold-like symptoms, and most people recover within a week or two. However, it can be serious. Infants and older adults are more likely to develop serious RSV and require hospitalization. RSV vaccines are not covered by private health insurance and cost $300 out of pocket. To schedule an appointment to get an RSV vaccine, email publichealth at sanmiguelcountyco.gov. 
Vaccine appointments for flu and COVID are available at bit.ly slash smc dash fall vaccines. Village Court Apartments Waitlist Take Two. Mountain Village opened a waitlist specifically for studio apartments in VCA this week, but experienced technical issues impacting the applications. Mountain Village officials say the issue has been addressed, but in order to keep a fair process to the community, the waitlist application will be reconducted next week. All applicants, including those who submitted this week, will need to resubmit their application on Wednesday, November 8th. The online form will be posted on the VCA website at 10 a.m. on the 8th and remain open until noon. Applicants will be contacted by staff with their waitlist application status. The identity of the young man who was found dead at the Glenwood Caverns Adventure Park on Saturday has been released. Diego Bajaras Medina graduated from Roaring Fork High School in Carbondale in 2021. Garfield County Sheriff's officials say the young man was wearing body armor and had several semi-automatic weapons and explosive devices with him. In a press conference on Monday, Sheriff Lou Valerio emphasized what a close call it was. We dodged a bullet here. We got lucky. Our community um, didn't this time have to suffer through like other communities have. But again, it's something that we, we want to find out why. We want to dive into this and, and, and see what we can do to try to prevent these things from happening in the future. Medina was found with a single gunshot wound to the head, and the forensic autopsy suggest he died by suicide. In a statement released on Monday night, Roaring Fork School District officials say they were saddened to learn of the tragic incident involving their former student and asked that people respect his family's privacy. Acting Superintendent Anna Cole said, quote, In our small communities, everyone is connected. This tragedy will impact our school community significantly. Cole said the district is responding by providing support services to students, staff, and families. Governor Jared Polis released his proposed state budget for next year. KOTO's Lucas Brady-Woods reports it largely prioritizes education funding. The total budget proposal comes to $43.5 billion. That's about $800 million more than Polis requested last year. This year's request includes an increase of half a billion dollars for public schools. The investment would fully fund Colorado schools for the first time in over a decade, according to funding levels set by the state constitution. Colorado has not been able to meet those requirements since the Great Recession in 2009. The budget also increases higher education funding by about $43 million and sets aside several million to improve the state's universal preschool program. It also prioritizes new investments in housing, health care, and crime prevention. Polis's proposal will be considered by the state legislature, which will set the final budget next year. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods in Denver. In Colorado, wildlife advocates have proposed a ballot measure for the 2024 election that would ban mountain lion and bobcat hunting. Meanwhile, a lawsuit against the state of Utah is challenging a new law that allows for unlimited year-round hunting of mountain lions. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KZMU's Emily Arnson has more. Legislators proposed the bill this spring, arguing that mountain lion sightings were up across the state. But wildlife biologists say that actually the mountain lion population has been declining in the past decade. 
Kirk Robinson is the executive director of the Western Wildlife Conservancy, one of two plaintiffs in the lawsuit. No science was consulted. The only justification offered for this, well, we've heard reports of more frequent sightings of mountain lions, which may be true, but, you know, there are more people in the state than ever before, and more of them visiting uh, mountain lion habitat on hikes, picnics, etc. The original bill had nothing to do with mountain lion hunting. It mostly suggested small tweaks to wildlife management. And when Robinson first reviewed it, he said he gave the bill a passing mark. But a few days before the end of the legislative session in March, a line was added that would authorize mountain lion hunting year-round with essentially no regulations. This bill turned out to be a Trojan horse. It was done sneakily. It was designed to prohibit public scrutiny. Robinson says there's evidence this law will actually do the opposite of what it intends to do. Instead of decreasing mountain lion sightings in urban areas, it could actually increase their presence. There have been recent studies that show that when you kill a lot of mountain lions, the result is there's a lot more young, juvenile mountain lions roaming the landscape. And they're the ones that actually cause most of the conflict. This has been reported over and over. They're undisciplined. They're not good hunters. They roam far and wide. They get into people's yards. They kill pets. They scare people. They prey on sheep. The lawsuit claims that with this new legislation, the state is in violation of its own laws. In 2021, a new amendment to the Utah State Constitution became effective. It's called the Utah Right to Hunt and Fish Act. It's to support management and conservation of wildlife, all to protect the future of hunting in Utah. So my question is, how does HB 469 contribute to the conservation of Utah mountain lions? The Division of Wildlife Resources is listed as a defendant in the case. In its official statement about the litigation, the DWR said, quote, Our biologists are monitoring harvest rates under the new regulations to determine the effects of this new hunting strategy. If it is determined that additional regulations are needed, those recommendations would be proposed and would be open to public comment. What a lot of Utahns don't understand is how political wildlife management is. You'd think maybe, well, the Division of Wildlife Resources has people trained in sciences and they do what the science says. That is not true. They use science, but they have their own goals, and those goals are set by the politicians who control the purse strings. And a lot of the legislators in Utah, most of them, in fact, are from rural areas where they continue to believe the old myth that predators are a bane. The best time to hunt mountain lions is usually in the winter. Since the new law went into effect in May, biologists don't have a good sense yet how the new rules will affect the harvest rate this year. For KZMU, I'm Emily Ernson. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low in the mid-30s. Expect sun on Friday with a high near 50, followed by a partly cloudy night with a low around freezing. Saturday calls for sunny skies followed by a partly cloudy night and a high in the mid-50s with a low around 35 degrees. This has been the news for Thursday, November 2nd. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, Call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Hello everyone out there in Kodo land. 
This is Teddy Errico, and I'm running for the mayor of the town of Telluride. The question everyone asks is why would I run for mayor? It's simple, to help preserve this community. As a 28-year local, I care about the Telluride community and making it a better place to live as we fight through some changes and needs. And right now, we are just headed in the wrong direction. Anyone who knows me is aware how much I adore this place and it's time to protect and enhance our lifestyle, the one we all love. How can we be better? Simple, that is in more transparency and action as a government and its collaboration with the other local governments and largest employers. We need to start completing large-scale affordable housing projects and other goals and do it now. It's better to do something that isn't perfect than do nothing at all. Keep in mind that our strongest power is in our younger generation that is here. I will be the bridge that unifies the old-timers and the younger locals and families. We will create that path for everyone to see a future here and quickly. And then we'll encourage those younger locals to lead and create Telluride's future in their vision. It's our town and it's our future. Let me be your mayor. Vote for Teddy. For more on me, visit www.teddyfortown.com. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Koto. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.